title of today's sermon is Jammy, AWOL, and SAR, that's Seek and Rescue Christians. Jammy, as in pajamas, they're sitting home right now in their pajamas, they're jammy Christians. No, they're not really. We'll find out if they're going to be jammy Christians. And there are AWOL Christians. Those are Christians who aren't in the building. They aren't back in the building yet, but neither are they watching at home. And then there are SAR, search and rescue Christians. That's you and, I, that's you and me. We're going to go after them. Let me describe them just a little bit more. So here's what a jammy Christian is in this idea. They're at home worshiping now over these past eight or nine or ten COVID weeks, whatever it's been, and they're saying, you know, I could get into this. I am getting into this. This is pretty sweet. You don't have to get the kids all dressed. You don't have to get everybody fed. You don't have to get everybody out the door. You don't have to try and get there by 1030. If we log on at 1040, 1050, or 10 p.m., it doesn't matter. Nobody knows. And I'm liking this jammy stuff, and the problem is they're liking it just a little bit too much. So that rather than being eager to get back in to the house of the Lord, New Covenant style, uh, they, might, they might take a while to get them back in the building. Now, let me just say, and then remember this throughout this whole message, this applies to the whole message. Some of you are going to take longer to get back into the building due to your feelings about COVID. That's a different matter. I'm not saying that makes you a jammy Christian. That makes you a more cautious Christian, and you're welcome to be that. You have our blessings. You come back when you're ready within reason. Uh, but a jammy Christian is one who's not worried about COVID. They're just saying, I've really gotten into the groove of this, worshiping at home in our pajamas in the comfort of our living room, and they might take too long to come back. What is an AWOL Christian? There are, according to statistics from the Barna Group, a very good, um, sane, capable group of uh, doing polls and questionnaires and finding out what people are doing, and the Barna Group is reporting to us that since COVID, COVID and church closings, you ready for this? Less than 40% of evangelical Christians who were regularly attending a local church prior to COVID, less than 40% of them are involved in online worship at all. Turn it around the other way. A little bit more than 60% of those who were formerly going to church, going to church, going to church, going to church, are just staying home and not logging on and not participating in online worship. No, I have a sneaking suspicion, and I'm not being proud about this, but I have a sneaking suspicion. We're busting those statistics. I think we're doing way better than that. Just based on the numbers of people who are logging on, it's, it's got to be our, most of our people and a bunch of others from somewhere. But nonetheless, that's what we're being told. So they're AWOL Christians. Now, strange thing is, they're likely to come back soon because they liked corporate worship. They liked gathered worship. It's not that they're not interested. They're just not interested in sitting at home in their pajamas in front of a screen and calling it worship. Any amens to that? Yeah, it's just, it's not even close. Um, so I thought about that. Why would there be so many AWOL Christians? And, uh, well, let me, before I answer that, let me say, and there are SAR Christians. There's jammy Christians, AWOLs, and SAR, search and rescue. And those are the ones that I'm really speaking to today. I'm not talking to the AWOL Christians today. They're not listening. They're not logging on. I'm talking to you and you at home, you search and rescue Christians. You're in touch with them. 
You know them. And you, you get in touch with them and say, hey, how have you been joining the online worship? And they say, oh, uh, we haven't really been there too much. All right, it's time for you to search and rescue. Or most of us have come back, but there are some who still haven't. Maybe they've become jammy Christians. You get in touch with them because they're your friends. They're in your circle. And you say, hey, we've missed you at the building. Is it coronavirus? No, it's more like pajamas. And, you know, we got in the groove of staying home. And you go after them, according to Hebrews 10, exhort one another, lest any be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But back to the AWOL Christians. Why? I just sat there and thought about why. I didn't read anybody's article about this. I didn't get this from anybody, but I think it'll be okay. Um, and by the way, when we talk about why they're AWOL Christians, I think this will indicate why, in my opinion, virtual worship will never, ever, ever, ever be a substitute for gathered worship. And it will indicate what are some of the inherent weaknesses of, of, of a virtual worship and what are some of the losses incurred during virtual worship. So I have four of them for you. Here's the first one. Hope you'll agree with me. Virtual worship lacks, just about 100% lacks, except for you and your family members, it lacks connectivity. What do I mean by that? So connectivity in my description, is a whole lot of what happens that brings you and me to church on a Sunday. Now, I know there are higher motives, there are other reasons, but remember they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread, and what's the next one? Fellowship, I'm just using the word connectivity. There's a lot of connectivity, there's a lot of fellowship in the building. You come here and you get to see your friends and people you love and people that you're growing in Christ together with and people who are praying for you, people that you're encouraging, people who are in your small group, people who are in your Bible study. You get here before and you stand out in the lobby too long. Service starts at 1030. Come on in at 1030. You stand out there and can't tear yourself away. You stay there afterward. We're like flashing the lights and saying it's time to lock the doors. You aren't going home because there's connectivity. And that's a very big part of what makes church a very unique, I mean, where else in the world does this happen? A very unique and wonderful thing. It is the fellowship of the body of Christ. It is the love of brothers and sisters for one another. And the AWOL Christians are saying, man, sitting home looking at my screen, they're not thinking this, but this is what's happening. I'm 100% missing out on all that fellowship and all that connectivity. So virtual lacks social connectivity. Furthermore, virtual lacks social accountability. Here's what I mean by that. If we were all back in the building and we're all meeting in the building week after week after week, and Pastor Stan doesn't show up one week, guess what? He probably has 10 people check in with him because you're one of the pastors. All the other pastors are going to check in with you. Some of the deacons are going to check in with you. Some of the people are going to, let's forget him. Let's take somebody else, all right? Let's take, because you don't count, you're too well known. Let's take Evan sitting right there. And Evan, if you don't show up for a week, we might say, all right, maybe he was sick, maybe he had to work, maybe he was away. If you missed week two, guess what? Somebody's noticing. I hope. Somebody's calling you. Probably a pastor is calling you. Our pastor Greg is our chief, chief, no, I shouldn't say chief. Jesus is the chief shepherd. <laughs> don't say chief. <laughs> you're not Jesus, bro. You're pretty good, but you're not there. He, he, 
Of all our pastors, there are different profiles, and he is by far the most involved in keeping track of sheep and sending out prayer requests from sheep and writing letters to other pastors about, has anybody seen this sheep? And, and we're tracking you and keeping an eye on you. We got GPS. He's GPS. He's, pastor, just now occurred to me, Pastor GPS. He's tracking you, all right? And somebody would notice and get a hold of you. Guess what? In... in in virtual worship, there's none of that. Nobody knows. The pastors don't know. Your friends don't know. Nobody's asking you, are you participating in virtual worship? And there's none of that social accountability to keep you coming. There's even a kind of a social accountability involved in uh, ministries that you're a part of. Let me make sure I'm doing this right, because I can't see the back thing. We're getting a larger screen for Jason and me, all right? Uh, I want to go to the third one. Virtual uh, worship lacks an imposed rhythm. It lacks an imposed rhythm. Here's what I mean by that. So in our normal church life, there's an imposed rhythm. This church gathers every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship. You want to be part of that? You have it on your calendar, you have it on your schedule, you have it on your clock, Sunday morning, unless providentially hindered, I'm going to be in the house of worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and you build your weekend around that, and you don't let other things interfere with that, except for sometimes there's an exception. There's, there's a, a, an imposed accountability. Uh, there's an imposed rhythm, pardon me. And so you make it, and you make it. And you make it, it's regular. Guess what? In virtual reality, in virtual worship, pardon me, there's none of that. It's virtual reality. Isn't it? there, there's none of that. You can watch anytime. I have people telling me, uh, we don't watch till after we get the kids in bed at night. I have other people telling me, I try to catch up by Thursday, all different times, and there are AWOL Christians who aren't watching it at all. There's just nothing regular to keep you going there at that time to do that thing, keep it on your calendar, and so a lot of people just drop out during this time. Furthermore, a fourth lack, a fourth thing that is weak about virtual worship is it lacks ministry commitments. It lacks ministry commitments. And here's what I mean by ministry commitments. Many, many, many of you wonderful Cornerstone people are involved in serving in ministry commitments when you come to this place. Many of you are involved in that. You at home, so many of you are involved in that. How many people are on Brittany's staff for children's ministry? And how many people are on Carl's staff for all the different uh, connections ministries that's probably half of our church right there. And one thing that gets you to church on a week when you might not feel like it is, well, I'm signed up to serve. So we're going. Come on, tell the truth. How many of you have ever gone just because you're signed up? Not one hand, you bunch of people. I need to preach on the command, you shall not bear false witness. Man, it gets me here. There's some days I don't feel, no, they really aren't. There, once in a while there have been. So those are some educated guesses, they're just mine, about why there are so many AWOL Christians going on. Now, let me say again, here's what this sermon is supposed to do. I'm addressing the jammy believers. I'm addressing the jammy saints. You're at home right now and you're watching. You are logged in, you are connected, you are plugged in, but some of you might get too comfortable. It might take too long to come back, and this sermon is to say to you, don't. 
Now, I'm not talking to any AWOL Christians because they're not paying any attention, but now I'm going to talk to all you search and rescue believers here and at home. You keep an eye out for your brothers and sisters. You keep an eye out for the jammy Christians, and you keep an eye out and love on the AWOL Christians because, remember, it was Cain who first said, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you in Jesus Christ are the keeper of your brothers and your sisters. It's out of love. So here's what this sermon is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring jammy Christians back because they heard it. It's supposed to send the rest of us to the AWOL Christians to get them logging on till they can come back and supposed to help the body of Christ grow. Now, all that was introduction. Is that comforting? Now we're going to get to the first point. We're 16 minutes and 39 seconds into the sermon. Here's the first point. And pretty much the last point. So it'll be okay. Here's what I want to say to you all. You at home, you who are in the building, here's what I want to say to you. You should, and I'm not afraid to use the should word here, you should really, really love your church. You should love it in such a way that involvement in it is vital and wonderful to you, and you should love it in such a way that you're dying to get back here with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, I want to say, if it's COVID keeping you, bless you, you come back when you're ready. But if it's jammies, I'm talking to you now. You should love the church of Jesus Christ and your local church so much that you cannot wait to get back. You can't wait to continue steadfastly in the doctrine, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers, and all the other things that go on here. I want you to notice the thing that I'm preaching about. You all have a screen that you do, don't you? Okay. You see the word I highlighted? What I'm talking about is love. I did use the should word. I did use the word of like moral imperative, of duty but I'm making it a duty of love. The thing I'm asking you to do, because you're going to see soon the thing Scripture wants you to do, is you should love the church of Jesus Christ, and you should love your local church, assuming it is healthy and isn't driving you crazy. And by the grace of God, so far as I know, this church is blessed with very good health because you are great people. Um, And I keep watching who's coming in the door. Do they look like they're going to ruin it? Hmm. Keep an eye on those ruiners, man. Want to keep it nice and healthy in here. So I'm asserting you should really, really love your local church, and the result of that is you want to continue steadfastly. It's about love. You say, okay, you're asserting we should love our church. Prove it from Scripture. All right, I think I sort of did in the opening part when I was in Psalm 122, and David said, I was so glad when it was time to go to church. You say, well, it doesn't say you should love church. No, but you're seeing a man who does. The bare word isn't there, but the thing is certainly there. He can't wait to get into the assembly. I think we saw it in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves. Why? Was it somebody was whipping them and it was a duty and they had to do this? I can't stand this, but I got to go. No, it was because they loved it. They were passionate about it. They'd come to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God had been poured out on them, and they wanted to gather and assemble with brothers and sisters and lift the name of Jesus. So we've already seen a little bit that Christians love their church. But let me give you some more about this now. We're going to go to Psalm 84. 
Psalm 84 to start with. Going to spend a little time there. Here's Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Now apply again what I said earlier. We understand that the dwelling place of God is in this new covenant era, what? It is the people, the body of Christ. Peter tells us it's a temple being made without hands, a temple being made of living stones. The apostle Paul preached um, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. So this building is not God's dwelling place. We are, but there's a dwelling place we have where we, the dwelling place of God, meet together. Was that too convoluted? And it's this building. And how lovely is the gathering of God's dwelling place, O Lord. And then he goes on to say, my soul. It's down at the level of his soul. My soul longs. Yes, faints. What does that mean, faints? It means I can hardly stand it. I want to be there so bad I'm about ready to pass out and fall over. My soul is longing. It's fainting for the courts, the place where God's people gather, where we worship and lift our voices together, where God's word is read. Then he muses a little bit, and he says, he's thinking about the priests, and he says, man, they're so blessed. They get to be there all the time. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I only get to sing your praise once in a while when we go up to Jerusalem. They're there all the time. They get to sing. I have a godly jealousy for those blessed people, ever singing your praise, Selah, which, in case you don't know, means think about that. Ponder that. And then he goes on with the blessed word again. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Well, what are they doing with that strength? Here here it is. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. They don't just love the place of gathering. They love the roads they take to get them there. I'm going to tell you how I get to church. Out my driveway, my truck's parked in a little circle. It's called Grand Oaks Circle. I drive out of Grand Oaks Circle. That's about 50 feet. And then I hit Grand Oaks Drive. I drive out of Grand Oaks Drive. That's about 100 feet. Then I turn right on St. Mary's. I'm coming to church, man. It's getting exciting. I check out St. Mary's. They got people showing up. I look at that a little bit. Then I hit 924 Emerton Road. I make a left on 924. Then I go down to Singer, and I make a right on the Singer. Then I hit 24, and I make a left on 24. And then I hit 95, and I make a right on 95. And then I hit Mountain Road, and I make a right on Mountain Road. And then there's J.C. Drive. I make a right on J.C. Drive. And then I'm there. I'm in that place, and the very pathway, though, to be honest, I try to vary it because I don't want to be a boring creature of habit, and I come different routes. But anyway, and I go home different routes. But he's saying just the very pathways of how to get there are in their hearts. Now, nothing in that, nothing in that part of that psalm, we're going to look at some more of it, but nothing in that part so far says God's children should love church. But It's written all over it. Would you not agree with me? This psalmist loves his church. Now he's going to tell us why. Psalm 84.10. For, here's why. Here's why. This has been his experience. For a day. Just one day 
in your courts. Just one day at church. I've been out there in the world all week trying to make a living, trying to feed my kids, trying to take care of things, trying to get school done, trying to get my job done. And I'm just longing, I'm fainting for a day in church with God's people and the corporate worship. It's better. Do you believe this now? Don't let this make you a liar. Come on. Is it really? Is it better than a thousand elsewhere? How about a day at the beach? Now, I'm not saying there, it isn't legitimate that once in a while you have a day at the beach that's a Sunday and you miss church. I'm not going to argue about that. God had you all the rest of the year enjoy a Sunday on the beach once in a while. Or somewhere else once in a while. Out on your boat? Maybe. That might become habit forming. Maybe not. That's too close to home. But a day, it's better than a thousand. Like, he's thinking of all the places he's been. There's Disneyland, there's the beach, there's uh, New York City and Manhattan, and there's all these things I've done, and he thinks, but man, nothing compares to just one day assembled with God's people. It's like the highlight of my weekly rhythm, the highlight of my life. And I know there's nothing in that verse that says Christians should love, love, love their church, but is it not? oozing out of the pores of that verse. So, all right, the Old Testament teaches us, I believe, to love the corporate assemblies of God's people. How about a New Testament verse? Good, I have one for you, Ephesians 5.25, which says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, up for her, went to see if the up was there. What does Jesus Christ love? The church. Why did Jesus Christ die on Calvary's cross? Because he loved the church. Now, I have to pause here and say, because some of you are thinking it. I think I see it on a few faces even, maybe, that there is the universal church in the Scriptures, And there are local churches, plural, in the Scriptures. We see both of those. The universal church is what's spoken of here. Christ loved the church. Well, which one? The one. There's only one. It's the universal church, which is comprised of all blood-bought followers of Jesus Christ. You're in the universal church. But we also find, and almost every use of the word church in the New Testament is this use of the word, we also find local churches. Paul says, um, I was unknown to the churches of Galatia. Well, I thought there was just one church. There's one universal church, and all believers are members of it, but there are many churches which are the local manifestations of that universal church. Now, here's the thing. Jesus here is surely loving the church, universal Pastor Steve, how are you getting out of that that we should love our church? Well, you think he doesn't love the local churches? If he loves the whole, does he not love the parts? You can't love the whole without loving the parts. So Jesus Christ loves, pardon me, the universal church, and he loves Cornerstone Community Church. You see, all right, that's fine. I'll go with that. The logic is, all right, it's tight enough. Uh, what's that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you, because who are you supposed to be like? Yeah. We want to be like Christ, and Christ is like this. 
there's my church, and there's one of them, and there's another one, and I love it, and I love it, and I love it, and I love it. Jesus Christ loved the church. Now, I have a quiz. Don't go there yet, please. I have a quiz for you. I'm going to make it easy on you. It'll be multiple choice. You all ready for a multiple choice quiz? All right, here it comes. I'm going to step over this way, and here's the multiple choice quiz. Go for it. Based on this verse, would you say that A, Jesus hates the church, or B, Jesus is mm, so-so about church, or C, Jesus loves the church? How many A? How many B? Kind of dumb, huh? How many C? Yeah. It's pretty crystal clear. Go back to the verse again, would you please? Thank you. Christ loved the church. Now, while you're thinking about this, we are in Ephesians chapter 5. What else is the church called? How else is the church identified in Ephesians chapter 5? Okay, it's also called the body, but there's another one I'm looking for. It's the church, it's the body of Christ, and it is also the bride. The church is Jesus Christ's bride. Do you think he loves his bride? This is like wedding day imagery. How many times have I stood here with a groom wobbly-kneed, and the bride appears, and I, tell, I usually whisper to him, keep breathing, because they go, you've never seen her looking like that before, and you love that bride. You can't believe you're getting to marry that girl. And this is the kind of language, this is the kind of imagery that's going on in this. Jesus Christ loves his church. Yeah, that sounds antiseptic. Jesus Christ loves his bride. It's his bride. Now, let me tell you something. I have a bride. She's been my bride for almost 45 years now. And if you tell me, don't you do this, it's going to be trouble. If you tell me, Pastor Steve, I love you, but I don't like your bride. Oh, that's not going good. Because me and my bride, we're one. You don't love, your, you don't love my bride? It ain't going to go good with me here. We're going to have some trouble here. And you can't say to the Lord Jesus, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Have you run into that false theology? There is a false theology, a dangerous theology that says this. I made a little slide with a cross out for you. It says, Jesus, yes. Church, no. You can't say to Jesus, I love you. I just don't want to be around your bride. No, he's not going to sit friendly with that because he loves his bride and he gave himself for his bride and he's washing her with the washing of water by the word. Now, there are probably some reasons why some Christians aren't in love with their church. I have a very short list. I'm sure we are complex people, and life on the planet is complex, and I'm sure there are many reasons that might play into any one person's situation when they've lost love for their church. But let me give you five quick reasons why uh, Christians might not be in love with their church. Reason number one, they might just be jaded. They had a rough ride. They had a rough ride in a church, maybe their last church. It was awful. We've got people in our church who've come from things that were awful. I just mean awful. And they tell me, here's what we left. They might be here six months before they get up the courage to tell me one day, before they get enough trust 
to trust a pastor again, to tell a pastor, here's what went on in the last church, and there are people in our church who have been really wounded and really grieved and really hurt, and, the, and you can become jaded and cynical. Church, it's just a mess. Bunch of people, it's a mess. And they don't love their church anymore. Or it might be that they're confused. They're just plain confused. They've got the universal church thing in mind. I'm thinking of a guy I know, and some of you know him too. And he's like, the universal church, it's church, it's church, it's church. And he pays very little attention to a local church. He's confused, bad theology. Number three, might be they're just lazy, pajama Christians, beware. You might get lazy. And you might not be in love with your church. You might be in love with comfort and pajamas and staying home and worshiping on the fly. And it might be, getting worse on the list, that they are lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, church in Ephesus, no, church in Thyatira. One of those churches in the book of Revelation. (laughs) And Jesus says, have this against you. I could wish you were cold, but you're not. I wish you were hot, but you're not. You're lukewarm, and it makes me want to... Might be that you're lukewarm. Lukewarm Christians are not excited about their church. Lukewarm Christians are not in love with their local church like Jesus is. And finally, it might just be that you're bored, and there could be two reasons why you're bored. One is it might be your own fault because you just lack a heart for Christ. But the other is it might be the church's fault. Are there churches that are just boring? Y'all are looking at me like, what are we supposed to say to that? (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've been to services where I was like, oh, man, shoot me in the head, right? I just want to get out of here. It was just so boring. I'm sure I have put on some sermons where you have said, oh, Lord, save me. (laughs) Take me up into glory now. But churches should be working hard to make it anything but boring. Worshiping the true and living God, would you agree with me, should be anything but boring. Now, if we're reading Scripture and you're saying, well, that's boring, that's on you because we're supposed to read Scripture. If we're singing sacred songs and you're saying that's boring, that's on you because we're going to sing sacred songs. If we're preaching the Word and you say preaching is boring, that's on you. That's your problem, and it is a problem because the church of God is supposed to have preaching, et cetera, et cetera. But some churches just really are boring, and they should not be. Worshiping the living God is the most amazing thing on the planet. And that's why the psalmist said, can't wait. It's time to go to church. I was glad when they told me to. All right, so it's about love. The sermon's about love. It's about you SAR Christians, you search and rescue Christians. Love your church. Love your brothers and sisters. Get in touch with your network and who you know and inquire. How you guys doing? Oh, you're still in your pajamas. Why is it corona? No, it's not corona. We just like pajamas. Sick them. Get them. On them, all right? Or you find out, uh, hey, how you guys liking the, court, the, the, the virtual worship? Oh, we haven't really been there yet. What? We've had eight of them so far. Something like that. You haven't even been there? Get them. Sick them. Consider one another to stir up unto love and good deeds. That's what this sermon is about. It's about love. But I have a little more time. It's also about a command. 
It's interesting. In Scripture, there are things we are told to love, and then we're, the Scripture turns around and commands us to do them. Uh, I'll show you what I mean. Let's just go ahead. I was going to give an illustration, but let's go ahead. In Scripture, love and commands go together. We're to love the church, but then look at what's commanded about the church. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another. Just pause there. You are a believer, and here's something you need. You need to be stirred. You're like an old bucket of paint. We have 12-year-old buckets of paint down in our basement. House is 12 years old, old buckets of paint sitting down there. I opened one recently because I had to patch up some stuff and uh, repaint it. And it was all this watery clear on the top and then this thick, tight glob of pigment in the bottom. And I had to use a stick. I wasn't at Sherwin-Williams. They have a machine. You know that machine? The shaker, the paint shaker. I don't have one of those. I just had a stick. Some people have a drill with an attachment on it. I didn't have that. I had a stick. So I had a stick. And when you get around a Christian who's been just sitting on the shelf for a long time, you got to get that stick in there and stir real hard. But every Christian, all the beauty, all the good stuff, all the life tends to settle to the bottom of the can. That's one reason why you need the weekly rhythm, the weekly rhythm, the weekly rhythm of gathering in the assembly, the fellowship, the teaching, the worship. Let's go on and read. Uh, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. It's still about love and good works. Well, when am I supposed to do that? Here's when. Not neglecting to meet together. If you're a jammy Christian, the only reason you're staying home is because of jammies. It's not COVID. It's just jammies. If you're a jammy Christian, you are neglecting to meet together. There are people who say, oh, I'm not neglecting. I go every Christmas, every year. I don't neglect that. No, 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 no. It's supposed to be a weekly rhythm, and your life fits into it. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but here's something you do when you gather. But encouraging one another. You come to church for a lot of things. Here's one of them, to encourage. Lord, who do you want me to encourage today? Who do you want me to reach out to today? Who do you want me to just love today? Who do you just want me to show my appreciation to today for their service? Encouraging one another. How long do we have to keep doing that? End of verse. And all the more as you see the day. What's the day? What's the day? What's the day? It's that day. As you getting closer to glory, and you see the day drawing near, do it all the more. Based on the earlier part of that verse that says, stir up one another, I just thought of this this week. I thought it was kind of cute. Corporate worship should be a stir fest. It's just a stir fest. When you're making those turns, St. Mary's Road, left on, you're starting to think about, who am I going to see? I'm going to see Amy Bauer today. She's going to be there. Lord, how do you want me to stir her and Bryce and her kids up to love and good deeds? And now I'm there, and there they are. Amy, good to see you. How you been? And we're trying to start this. It's a stir fest. And you move around from people to people, stirring one another up unto love and good deeds. Community groups are stir fests. One-on-one fellowship hospitality in your home. It's one great big festival of stirring. 
And you know what? There's just about zero, none of that in virtual church. Glad we had virtual church. Glad we're getting back in the building. Because it's a whole different, one of our sons says, whole different slice of cheese. All right. What are some benefits? Put this up, please. What are some benefits of regular church attendance? Let me just tell you some that psychologists and sociologists tell us. There have been many, many, many studies. You can Google it and find some easily by people who are not Christians. They have no ax to grind in our favor, and they tell us things like this. Number one, do you have them all up there? You do. Good. All right. It is good for your family to go to church. Percentage-wise, statistic-wise, families that go to church have better family life, lower divorce, fewer marriage problems, more happiness in the marriage. It is 100% legitimate, therefore, to say to a friend when they say to you, oh, man, my marriage is on the rocks, you can respond and say, I know something that can help. Come to church with me. Because statistically, it helps. It's good for your psyche. People who go to church register healthier psychologically, less depression, happier, less suicide, probably because of all the fellowship, the stronger social networks and support that goes on, plus the truth of God in your soul and the spirit of God in your soul is good for you psychologically. It's good for your body. People who attend church regularly are healthier, live longer, sleep better, less suicide. That makes you, that's good for your body. Lower blood pressure and more robust immune systems. It's good for your finances. People who go to church regularly manage their money better because they learn disciplines and skills that help them to defer gratification and take care of your future. So it's good for you in a lot of ways. There are great benefits. So I'm saying to you, some of you are at home and you're not yet believers, even if you don't believe, just go to church. It'll make life better. There are principles that will apply to you and make your marriage better and your psyche better and your body better and your finances better. And if you come to Jesus Christ, your whole life and eternity will be better. But there are other benefits, many of them in God's word. And they are things like, do I even have to name them? The fellowship, the love, the brotherly love, the family, the worship, the, the, uh, the communion, Lord willing, we're going to try and start taking communion next week. When you come in the building, instead of chairs like this, it'll be rows, every other row, and we're going to try and take communion. Yeah, we won't have those cup holders yet, but we're going to try and take communion next week if we can make it happen. So stay tuned. Notice the weasel words, if. But there's communion, and there's baptisms. Someone coming in today said to me, now that we're getting back in the building, can I get baptized soon? It's a young one, like this big, sweet. There's baptisms. These people who are like, I'm in the universal church. Yeah, tell me who your pastors are out there. Tell me what, who baptizes out there. Tell me how you take communion out there. No, those things are in local churches. So there are many benefits of being in a, lo- in a local church. But I'm going to close. Here we go. I'm bringing it down pretty fast. This is to jammy Christians. Don't. Be a jammy Christian. As soon as you're comfortable with where you are with COVID, come on back. Who was that motel chain that had the saying, we'll keep a light on for you? Hotel Six? Hotel six? Yeah, we'll keep a light on for you, all right? We'll have a chair ready for you. 
jammy Christians. AWOL Christians, you're not listening, so psh, but we're going to send everybody after you. And you saw our Christians, book of Hebrews, consider one another. Have them in my mind and turn them around and think about, hmm, I wonder if they're doing good. I better reach out to them. Consider one another to stir them to love and to good deeds. All right, I'll close with this. I'm walking over here, Marcy. I, I did it abruptly. That's why this is new to us. We're working on this. They're telling me each week how to move and how not to move and when, and, and they're learning how I move. And it's a dance going on here. Um, last slide, please. Don't be a jammy Christian and don't be an AWOL Christian. Instead, love the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, and be a seek and rescue brother or sister in Christ. All right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Pray with me, and then Pastor Stan's going to lead us on. Father, thank you for this time in, in the courts of the Lord. We know that there are perhaps people in this building, and we know that there are people at home who are not yet your blood-bought, redeemed children. And we pray to you now, Father, they're, they're not jammy Christians, and they're not AWOL Christians, and they're not seek and rescue. They're just not Christians. But in your kind providence, you've brought them to this place and this time where they're hearing this message. And we pray that right now you would draw them powerfully by the Holy Spirit and by your word, the word of God, and that they would turn in their hearts to you and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And if you're sitting at home today and you've, you've been believing, you're believing on Jesus, you're turning to Jesus, would you fill out that digital connect card and give us the opportunity to reach out to you? We want to help you get growing in Christ. Thank you, Father, for bringing more people into our gathering today. We pray that you would bless us with health. We pray that more would be able to come and churches all over would be able to open up. And the manifestation of local churches, your kingdom on the planet, would become very visible again. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Stan, lead us.